Life is often so busy, taking us here, there, seemingly everywhere. When you are unable to make it to church, we hope you are fed and nourished by listening to the preaching of God's Word wherever you are at the moment. In the meantime, take care, and God bless. It's been said that character is revealed by how one behaves when no one is looking. One of my fundamental beliefs is you learn a lot about someone by how they respond when they hear the word, no. Everyone loves it when they hear the word, yes. Everyone loves a boss who always says yes. Everyone responds well when they get their way, when they get to do what they want, when they want to do it. But what does one say and or do when they hear the word, no? Of course, disappointment is only natural, but how much does a person dig in? Does a person choose a route of I'll show you or just watch me and I'll see what you do? Little kids do it. So do some big people. In a similar vein, I think a lot is revealed when someone is faced with a great challenge, a sudden detour, a reversal of fortune, or in keeping with our theme when one faces a giant. You know, an issue, a roadblock, a life-changing, life-altering event, it's easy to get frustrated, that I know. It's only natural to, at first, feel overwhelmed. But as we all discover, sooner or later, there are headwinds in life, there are obstacles, there are detractors, there are people who think that we can't do it, and sometimes, as I will talk about in a minute, sometimes our biggest opponent can be ourselves. Now, before I get where I'm going, a few things. What is a giant? The truth is people have similar and different giants. For instance, to someone who is quite shy, to the person who dislikes being in a public setting, being in a social setting like a party is akin to having the flu. But to an extrovert, to someone who can't wait for the party, it can be hard for that person to understand the giant that the shy person must face and vice versa. Of all the approaches I studied on my way to a psychology degree, I resonated the most with an approach called Rogerian therapy. It's named after Carl Rogers. In a nutshell, it's based on the idea that the client knows what is best. And the therapist's role is to facilitate an environment in which the client can bring about positive change in his or her life. What I appreciate about this approach is that when done properly, it doesn't create a dependence upon the therapist. So every single day, he or she doesn't have to call and say, hey therapist, what should I do now? I'll call you later. It also gives credence and value to what the client is thinking and feeling. For instance, how do you like it when you say that you are encumbered by something in your life and then someone will say, well, that's nothing. Here's the giant in my life, let me tell you about it. Did you just hear what I just said, said the first person. The truth of the matter is we all face a giant or two. It can feel like we're battling the entire world, David and Goliath. Oh, and one last thing before I get to my three points. These two things I think you should know. Number one, there is no shortcut through pain. There's no shortcut through pain. My wife just reminded me that I'm celebrating my 32nd anniversary of ordination and dealing with people. There is no shortcut through pain. 
There are not three easy peasy, quick, easy to follow steps when you're facing a giant. Instead, after a deep breath, after a few good cries, and a bit of wallowing, because we need that too, it's time to put on a hard hat, go through the eye of the storm. It's time to face and fight the giant, whoever and whatever that is. So, with that as a preamble to the sermon series, number one, facing giants, here are my three thoughts I have when it comes to facing a giant called doubt. So, as you know I like to do, I like to begin the race, as all of us, in a straight line, and have it be fair. What is doubt and defined? It is to call into question the truth of. It is to lack confidence in. And it is to consider unlikely. We all good? Same place? Don't doubt, believe. Point number one, having doubts about oneself. Now you can read this, and if you're close to my age, if you're close to 60 years old, and you watch Saturday Night Live, this will date me. Stuart Smalley, played by the former state senator, Al Franken, yes, he was an actor first. Now, maybe I should have known that this was kind of showing me I was gonna love psychology, because even as a young lad who watched this and I would stay up late, my mom and dad would go to sleep, the next day was Sunday and my dad was a preacher and so I would go and turn the volume up a little bit and I would watch Saturday Night Live because I thought about becoming an actor but then I became a psychology major and then I ended up here. But Stuart Smalley, it was facetious but it was also kind of brilliant. It was brilliant because a lot of his thoughts were incredibly truthful, but they did it in a playful way, but that's why it resonated with me. A couple of them compare and despair, he would say. He was this self-help guru, but you know what? When you do compare, you do end up in despair. I deserve good things, he said. I am entitled to my share of happiness. I refuse to beat myself up. I am an attractive person. I am fun to be with, he would say. And he was presented in such a way that it seemed goofy, but yet my thought is after thinking about this, now that it's been a few decades, when you look at this, if this was your MO, if this was your mantra, if you and I believe this in our core, we'd have a better day, we'd have a better week, we'd have a better month, year, decade, life, yes? Labels disable. Tell me that this is folly. We label people, we label races, we label people who love and who live a certain way. Labels disable, and people thought this was just goofy. It wasn't goofy. The way they presented it was, but it was brilliant. And I'm good enough, and I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. He wrote a book. He went to Harvard. He wrote a book. He did other things, but doggone it, people like me. I'm smart enough. I'm good enough. This is what I have to say. Having belief in yourself is a very fine line to walk. Too much confidence equals arrogance and conceit and pomposity. I've always wanted to use the word pomposity, and now I have 32 years off the list. 
but am I right? Fine line. If you lead a congregation, if you lead a company, if you're the superintendent of a school of Eden Prairie's size, you have to have a certain degree of confidence because people rail against you. But then when you're confident, you're arrogant, you're conceited, and you're pompous. It is a fine line to walk. And then when you tell people no, then they say you are thus. Or the antonym, not enough confidence, skepticism, rejection, ambiguity. How hard is it to raise a child to have the right amount of self-esteem? It's like being on a balance beam that has some cooking oil on it. Because if you're this, then you're that. And if you're not enough this, then we label you thus. A lot of people have doubts about themselves. Looks. Do you? We look at people who are very confident, and sometimes we look at people who are very confident, and we wonder why in the world they're so confident. Why in the world does she feel like she's all that in a bag of chips? Why does he believe he's good looking when actually I'm thinner and I think I'm better looking? You know what? The thing is, who has the problem? The person who's wearing the jeans or the person who's looking at the person who's wearing the jeans? Because if you feel good about yourself, that affects how you look at other people. Height, weight, Intelligence. Height, I do. I want to be 6'4 in heaven. Write it down, God. Weight, oh. intelligence, yes. I doubt myself. Am I a good parent? Hmm. Hmm? Too hard, too soft. How much she's saying no? When do you say yes? And if your child says you say no too often, is he or she right? Or you right? Too hot, too cold, or just right? It's a children's story about being just right. The problem is we doubt whether or not we are good in all these departments. Some people appear as if they're brimming with confidence, but the truth is they are overcompensating for their innate distrust of their abilities. By the way, if you want to join that club, I am vice president. I didn't trust my abilities enough to run for president. And I am telling the truth. For what it's worth, here are three things that can help with self-doubt. You ready? God thinks we're totally awesome even when we're not. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will Heavenly Father give to those who ask? God thinks you are awesome even when you're not. It's called unconditional love. It's not soft grace. It's not soft love. It's not just whatever. It's I can't help but be in love with you. I said it before, one time I got in trouble, I got in trouble a lot. My dad and I had that kind of relationship where every day it's like, oh, let's work on me. And one day I was in trouble and I said, Dad, I'm only human. 
And my dad, a bona fide theologian, said, you have been created a little lower than angels. You are the highest created anything that God has ever created. You are the apple of God's eye. Don't ever just yourself. God loves you. God is crazy in love with you. So don't doubt yourself. Number two, I think of the people in my life who think I rock even when I don't. My wife and our three children, our dog Ruby, thinks I'm the best person ever. I'm not kidding. It's like I'm the only one who lives in the house. My late mom is still the co-chair of my fan club from heaven. Who are your people? I'm going to have some pauses in my sermon today, not because I don't know what I'm doing, but because I know what I'm doing. Who are your people? Do you know who your people are? Or do you have people who support you and you don't know they're supporting you? Who are your people? And today, if they're alive, send them a text. Say, thank you for being my person. Thank you for supporting me. A lot of people take shots at a lot of people. Even in a big congregation like this, I'll tell you, I have a certain number of people that I have on my list that I listen to. And if they tell me I'm wonky, I'm wonky. If they tell me I'm good, I'm good. But you can't listen to everyone. And it's not about me, the preacher. I can only say about my life. You and your life, whatever you do, people will criticize you, but you have to be careful. You don't listen to the wrong people. You have to listen to the right people. To the people who want you to do good. To the people who want you to succeed. If you're pretty and you walk into a party, there'll be people who say, you're prettier than me and I want you to feel bad about that. Or smarter, or richer, or, or, or. Does any of this make sense? Is this the world in which you live? Who are your people? And if they say, you're not doing well or you're not doing right. And when you are truly a person who has their back, you tell them the truth. So if they're not walking the right path, you, myself, has the intestinal fortitude to tell them the truth in love. Sometimes the king in that parade is naked, but there are people who say, oh, he looks nice but they will probably tell you seven times that you're great and one time you've missed the boat. The people who do the opposite are not your people. Look at what you've done. Parent, spouse, grandparent, friendships. I think if you happen to be a parent and you pour a lot of that into your life, and you do that well, you're a rock star. Went to a graduation open house yesterday of a member, and I looked at this mom, and I said it with all contrition, with all sincerity, because it's true. I looked at this mother, and I said, you and your husband have done a phenomenal job. All three of your daughters are awesome. Is there a better measure? And if you don't have children, you have nieces and nephews. You have 
relatives, you have friendships. I think, and what I'm simply saying is, maybe I'm, because I have a lot less years of wearing this, that how do you value your life? What will people say about me and you at your funeral? That you were a great teacher, that you're a great leader, that you're a great attorney, that you sold great wine at a great price? Or the way you sold wine at a great price is you made people feel better. Yes, you did, Dave. That's what it is. And maybe because I've got a whole lot more years at the back of the buggy than I do in the front, that I'm figuring some things out, but this is the measure of one's life. How have you loved and served your neighbor? Sometimes at work, you don't feel like you've done a lot, or sometimes in the community, or sometimes wherever, even in your family, but how have you loved all the people in your life? God says two things are important. Love God, love your neighbor. Said so nothing about job, Nothing about what we have or don't have. Two, having doubts about other people. Here are some interesting stats found in a recent study. You ready? A new study found that nearly one in two people believe they're the best person they know. I'm just going to let that sink into you for a minute. I hope this was not a federally funded study. I happen to believe that those people don't know enough people. I have some dear friends who are in this room and they're far better than I am. This might surprise you, I have really good friends who are not sarcastic, who are really deep and wide and people who are sensitive and people will say from afar, why in the world would somebody like that be a friend with David? Well, because deep down, I love people who are loving. If you can say this, I don't think you know enough people and you might want to choose differently. I'm just saying. 81% say they believe that humankind is inherently good. I think that's a good thing. Three in four people believe that they themselves are fundamentally a good person. Okay, well, I guess some people don't have doubt about themselves. Three out of four. One last thing in this regard, the respondents who were the least likely to claim that they are a good person. Survey says, millennials. However, comma, millennial respondents were also the most likely to say that they didn't think in terms of good and bad. And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I'll just leave it right there. So what do you think about people generally? This is another pausal moment. Most people are out to get you, be honest. Most people are well-intentioned and they just make mistakes. Most people are only concerned about themselves. Most people are doing the best they can, considering. There are no absolute or correct answers to those questions. However, here's how I see it. How we see, view, and interpret other people affects how we treat people. This week, what do you say we strive to give more people the benefit of the doubt?
I'm going to sound like an old person, but I do believe, especially on social media, people launch into people, it takes a hot second that people label and labels disable. If you say the wrong word, if you do this, if you don't put this in the correct order, then all of a sudden you're one of them. So our daughter, Rachel, came home from filling up her gas tank and she had gone to Costco and they had closed another time that they let us down. (laughs) And so she went to another place and she came home and I was doing something in the garage and she came home and she was hot and she said, I can't believe this happened. And she told of when she went to the gas station and I guess there was some kind of way to get in and out and there was some kind of not disagreement but something was not clear to these six boys who were in apparently their parents car because it was really really nice and they took issue with my daughter and where she was and how she was doing it I've always observed her to be a good driver she drives really fast but she's a really good driver and she was had to go slow she was near a gas pump and apparently and I can't because it's a kid's show tell you or show you all the gestures and all the words that they said to my daughter and I thank God I was not there because I would not be here this morning I would be in a holding cell (laughs) and I'm not kidding because you shouldn't go to a gas station at four and five intersection and not do anything wrong and be assailed by fill in the blank. But those were six kids. It's not endemic of all kids. Most kids, the vast majority of kids, the vast majority of adults, the vast majority of Democrats, the vast majority of Republicans, the vast majority of libertarians are, in my opinion, good. Because what happens is when you hear a couple or you read about a few and then you say that must be everyone and you can disagree with me, that's fine. But I choose not to judge all teenage boys by the six who assailed my daughter am I happy about it no am I disappointed yes does it mean that every time I see a kid in a nice vehicle with more than one kid that they must be like those kids who did it no because that's not the love of God that is the love of humans which is limited point number three having doubts in matters of faith Do you ever wonder if you have enough faith? Do I believe the right things? The other day I was talking to somebody that I think is as white as driven snow and is one of my favorite people and the person who I think who always does dot I's and cross T's and I want to be more like and this person said, I hope when I die I go to heaven. I thought, oh my goodness. Apparently, us preachers have to talk more about the fact that you're just in. You're saved by grace through faith, apart from the works of the law. 
Jesus did it. How much do I actually believe and what percentage could actually be classified as hope? If someone were to say to me, if you admit to being a follower of Jesus, you will be severely punished. What would I do and say and what would you do and say? I don't know if I'd be a good martyr. I know Lutheranism enough where I might be tempted to say, okay, well, Jesus will forgive me. I'd like to believe that I'd be strong, but is being impatient for Jesus to show up and make things right the same as being of little faith? Is being disappointed that God didn't seem to do more to help out the same as not being faithful? I had some big thoughts this week. Here's something that may help us out quite a bit. The original disciples missed the forest for the trees just about every single day of the week. In fact, it's a really short list of times when the disciples actually got it right, either in faith or in action department. Perhaps their low point was the Garden of Gethsemane. I know you know it, but it's actually one of my Hallmarkian moments when I realize when we have doubt about ourselves or we doubt God and Jesus and God's forbearance. I'll read it. Then Jesus went with his, the disciples to a place called Gethsemane. He said to them, stay here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons with him. Jesus was beginning to feel deep anguish. Then he said to them, my anguish is so great that I feel as if I am dying. Wait here and stay awake with me. If you had a friend who would say that to you, what would you do? After walking a little farther, Jesus quickly bowed with his face to the ground and prayed, Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. But let your will be done rather than mine. When Jesus went back to the disciples, he found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you stay awake with me for one hour? Stay awake and pray that you won't be tempted. You want to do what's right, but you're weak. Then Jesus went away a second time and prayed, Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, let your will be done. Jesus came back and found them asleep again because they couldn't keep their eyes open. After leaving them again, Jesus went away and prayed the same prayer a third time. Then he came back to the disciples and said to them, you might as well sleep now. The time is near for the Son of Man to be handed over to sinners. Get up, let's go. The one who is betraying me is near. Here's some of the greatest news that is found at the core of the Lutheran tradition. Even when we doubt ourselves, Jesus thinks we can move mountains. Got it? Good. Even when we doubt those around us, Jesus doesn't see us or them through our eyes. And even when we doubt Jesus, his love and his promises, Jesus loves us. Jesus still attends to our every need. They fell asleep, they fell asleep, they fell asleep, and Jesus said, because you fall asleep, and because you can't stay awake, and you can't be faithful, I'm gonna do it for you. But even when you fail, I love you. Even when you do wrong, I'm your biggest fan. Kind of like a good parent 
kind of like a wonderful grandparent, like a good friend. In the midst of all the things that cause us doubt, we can say about Jesus, I have absolutely no doubt whatsoever. Thanks be to God. Amen. You think about how you will live out your faith each day. If you would like to support the ministries at St. Andrew Lutheran Church, you can do so by having your credit card information available and then texting a gift to 952-260-9007. Thank you and God bless.